0: Yes guys, welcome back to another episode of Teams Like Brighton and today we'll be talking all about things about Everton. Obviously we're going there for the trip to Goodison Park. Um, safe to say that fixture's had a lot of highs and a lot of downs from last season if uh, if you just have a look at the results. But joining me is senior football writer over at the Liverpool Echo is Connor O'Neill. Connor, how you doing mate? All
1: good Tom, all good. Ready for everyone Big game for the Blues, so the Blues Everton, of course, <laughs> on Saturday afternoon, could do some par.
0: Yeah, and let, let's go, let's go ahead and talk about Everton. Obviously, there's been a lot of things going on off the pitch, but I want to talk about form first because looking at the fixtures and the results that you've had in the past, you've had really good uh, recent form at the moment. What, what what's been the change at the moment over at Sean Dyche's
1: side? It's it's really interesting because obviously you know they went five games at the start of the season, but win in the, in the Premier League and. And everyone was pretty alarmed, and there was a, a bit of a doom and gloom sense around the club in the sense of everyone, you know, was preparing themselves for a third straight relegation battle. And you know, many people saying, "Well, you know, you can't; you beat it twice, you're not going to be it the third time." And you know, obviously, they could, they went on an unexpected win, I think, in many people's eyes, a Brentford, which really kick started this run. If we're being honest, with what they've been on, but you know, certainly that the, the home games that they played at the start of the season against Fulham and Wolves, they should have been come to be out of sight on both occasions and um, certainly in the first half, of form, they missed three edge chances. In it's Wolves, they missed four edge chances for the, the, the 90 minutes and were sucker punched uh, with, with goals later on. So they didn't deserve to lose them games but they did and I think that's what have, uh, people feel in the way is that this season was going to be one of them where nothing quite went their way and, you know, it was, it was going to be a battle to avoid the drop. But since Brentford, they just really kicked on. I think Sean Dyche has, has found a settled team I think he, he, his team's now got a lot more balance than, than what I had last season. I think a large part of last season, after coming in January, it was round pegs and square holes, and people were doing jobs and filling in. And now it's 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 certainly been helped by a lot more balance with, like, Jack Harrison coming in, and the big one really has been Dominic Calvert-Lewin's return because he's been absolutely superb since he come back since the since since the September international break and. You know, he's someone who everyone has long said, you know, if Everton are not going to be fighting they're not going to be doing this, not going to be doing that. But it was always a bit of an unknown because that, there's no guarantee that that is always the case. But in recent weeks, we've seen that if Dominic Calvert-Loon is fit and available, then Everton should be nowhere near the bottom The bottom five teams this season, the Premier League fight to avoid the drop, unless things off the pitch take control, um, which obviously you know, there's a threat of a option, should the hearing with the independent the premier league with the independent commission not go in the favor of the blues but in terms of the obtaining form i think it's just been down to player availability and, and things kind of coming off that quite well coming off at the start of the season
0: you mentioned it just there about all the things that's going on off the pitch there's quite a fair bit to talk about um and obviously the first thing i think we should talk about is uh your former chairman bill kenright um just about Really, what 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 was Bill Cameron like as a as a new fan and then someone who was with the club for such a long period of time?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I think in terms of a fan and a, a you know, there was no bigger blue than than, than Bill Cameron, and you know, it's quite fitting that he's you know, often know to as to blue bill, you know, and he, he was a massive Evertonian. He's long been a massive Evertonian, um, and as, as a person, he was you know a very generous person, and you know, someone who was. Done, done their best for the people and, you know, tried to do what was good in the world. I think as a chairman at Everton, it, it's been a real difficult few years for him. I think obviously, you know, last January, he was told to stay away from the, the game in Southampton and, you know, he never returned to Goodison. Then, you know, it was one of them in the sense of, I think, you know, he, he brought in Farhad and and, you know, probably paid the price a little bit for that in the sense of some of the decisions that have been made in recent years. Obviously, you know, as, as a figure of the club, you know, a lot of criticism came his way. So I think in terms of you know Bill Kenright as a, as a person, as, uh, he was a gentle soul who done his best for what he believed was the best for the people and tried to help other people as much as he could. As an Everton fan, he's one of the biggest, you know, probably Everton fans that are gone. But I think as a chairman, it, it, it's been, a you know, a, a, I think there's been there was a lot of good of Bill Kenwright, same thing, you know, before Farhad shared Sherry comes to the football club. You know, you think of the, the patience which he showed David Moyes when things got tough in, in, in that 11 years. You know, 'Cause it wasn't always rosy, you know, it wasn't always, you know, looking looking up and challenging and punching up the leg. There was some dark moments where Everton, when they stuck over the shoulder in a, a battles of relegation. But one thing about Kenrick was he held his nerve, he held his he kept patience with David Moore because he knew he had the right man in charge of the football who could turn things around. And you know, towards the end of that eleven year spell, Everton paid the, you know, paid you know, reap the benefits of, of that patience because, you know, Everton were far, far superior than what they should have been in terms of where they were coming every season in in the premier league since far come in i think it was was seen as like this new year you know the billionaire arrives and you know there'll be a checkbook now for transfers which David were always always hadn't had and stuff like that you know if anything it's it's been one massive disaster the money wasted is is off the scale recruitment's gone horribly wrong manager after manager after manager you know i think it's six seconds and one, one resignation you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, Bill paid the price a little bit for that because he was the chairman and you know, he was on board that many fans and you know, deans wasn't fit enough to run the club and shouldn't be running the club. So, I think you know, when you look at Bill Cameron as a chairman of Everton, it's always like you've got to look at it in two ways in the sense of you no, know, the pre Farhad Mashari tenure and, and the Farhad Mashari tenure. And, you know, like I say, unfortunately for Bill, I think he was caught up in the, the Farhad Mashari tenure, you know. He, he, it just went wrong and it went wrong very fast and you know no one wants to be fighting relegation and that was where Everton found himself doing the last two seasons
0: yeah and the other thing that needs to be going on off the field is, is, is this is hearing going with the Premier league those who want a bit I'm, I'm familiar with what's going on over at Everton in the Premier League what, what is exactly happening with financial fair play
1: well this is the, the, the mad thing is no one really knows because there's not a lot of information out in the public domain and, and both sides have been very quiet premier league and everything in terms of what is actually going on and what you know the charge relates to and stuff like that Um i think the big thing or the big take take away, um is that obviously this hearing is now finished it's being completed and the outcome of this hearing will be made by the independent commission the independent commission only the premier league will have no say in in, in what is the punishment or you know, whether Everton are found guilty or, or not guilty. Everton have long denied that they've done anything wrong. I think that's worth pointing out, you know, since this news broke in March that date, you know, being referred to an independent commission for a breach of a uh, profit and sustainability rules. Everton have long denied that they believe that they're innocent, they've done nothing wrong. Um, but in terms of like what is actually known and no one really knows what's going on at the minute, it's all very cloak and dagger and you know, uh, obviously there was a newspaper report come out last week about, you know, facing the, the Premier League recommends them to face a 12-point deduction if they are found guilty because the Premier League want to enforce the harshest um, punishment possible. That's something that the Premier League wouldn't comment on when we approached them at the Echo they You know, they quick they to say that, you know, the, the hearing was, is a private and, you know, they've got nothing to say until you know, it essentially concludes. So I think at the minute it's just a waiting game, waiting game to see how things, you know, why, when, we don't even know as things stand when when the, the outcome of the series will be gone public. Um, there's been no there's been no indication of when it could come. It's just it's it's over now and it's just a matter of waiting to see what comes of it. But yeah, it, it the, the charge relates to a, a breach of profit and sustainability rules in terms of having accounts. Um it's only the one charge, I think that's worth putting out you know, the hundred not that Manchester City the City are facing with the Premier League. But yeah in terms of actually what it actually relates to and stuff like that no one really knows at the minute it's all very very quiet and I think it's just a piece of a waiting game to see when this outcome drops and then what is released into the public domain as a result of that.
0: so safe to say that that there's a lot lot of things hanging in the balance at the moment for Everton but one thing that's for sure is your new ground um talk, talk us about that how excited are Eptonians to get this new ground
1: yeah, I think it's the one shining light at the minute at the football club. <laughs> I think, you know, like you say there, there's been a lot of off the of field noises, Sean Dice likes to call it. And, and just when you think that noise is quiet and down, something else comes along that, you know, takes centre stage. Uh, it's certainly not been a quiet time when you're covering the football club, that's for sure. But yeah, the, the new stadium is, is certainly something, you know, I think supporters are absolutely relishing, uh, getting in there. You know, you look at the likes of Brighton. And, and you know Arsenal and Tottenham and, and other clubs who've moved to you know new modern day stadiums and how good they are. And, you know that's where I fans are a long dream. I think there'll be there'll tears shed when people leave Goodison Park. Obviously, it's been a, a historic home for the Blues for a long, long time now. But I think everyone accepts that. ever so for them to move forward and come to peace in this you know modern day football year, they've got to have a a, a modern you know state of the art stadium. This you know the stadium at Bramley Mordor will be. You know it's quite fitting you know, that even though it's not finished yet has being selected as one of the, the host venues for Europe twenty twenty eight which I think is a a milestone f- you know already for it that you know it's attracting such a a big competition you know to, to Liverpool which you know not, not only benefit every supporter but benefit the city of Liverpool and the economy as well. But yeah I think it's just you know it's, it's the one shining light at the minute and I think it's now getting very real as well. You know when you go past you know I go past there quite a bit obviously on my journey into the, the like, office and you Know it's gone from kind of you no know, a structure a bit, a bit of a frame to now you know the the tree, the stadium being built, and now they're working on the inside in terms of putting seats in, they're putting speakers in. You know, and I think the plan soon is that in a few months the picture starts being laid and stuff like that, so it's all becoming very, very real now. And I think although there'll be sadness by Everton gone to some Park, I think every Everton fan accepts that you know the club got to make this move because if they don't, then they'll be left behind because they've already been left behind when you look at other clubs. You know, certainly Brighton is one of them who've left Everton behind, so. This is a move that I need to make, and I think it's one that fans are excited about because, like I say, what's been a tough couple of years. It's been the one, the one shining bright and the one shining light in amongst the club supporters that they've got something to look forward to.
0: Now let's go, let's go back to what's going to happen over at Goodison Park because, uh, like like I said earlier, it, last season the fixture on both games was, shall we say, highs and lows on both for both teams. Really, four-one win for you know at goodison park around new year's day uh, well during the new year and ever to come back to the Amex, and they, uh, well from my perspective it's nothing short but a freak result really a 5-1 win thrashing um of sean dyche's from sean dyche's side by far and away the most shocking i've ever seen at the amex really did you guys see anything of this coming your you're considering for you going going into that match <sighs>
1: No, I think is the uh, is the answer. No one saw that coming. I think I think some maybe thought we might sneak a one nil, um, you know, and that could be a real back backs to the wall performance. We might nick a goal and then just defend for for, for the rest of the game. But no, no one, no one saw the five one win coming. Um, no one predicted that. I, I don't think anyone was a same man wouldn't even produce 4-7 with the score five balls in one game let alone let, let, let alone East brighton but no no one no one saw that coming and i think in the end ultimately it was the niche that kept them up because it was the the one victory you on know what the one weekend where all the relegation rivals lost that moved them that that few points clear at the, the bottom the bottom three so yeah no one no one saw that coming and you know that was probably I think the the, big, the biggest result of Sean Dyche's tenure so far was obviously born on the final day of our season when they went to stay up because obviously if they had no one they'd have been they been relegated. with the fact Leicester beat West Ham, but I think in terms of performance, it was certainly that Brighton game last season where everyone kind of went, "Wow, you know that was unexpected and, and no one quite saw that coming." Especially well after what you know Brighton had done to Everton at Goodison Park just a few months earlier, January when they when they ran riot. So yeah, no one no one saw that coming. And, I think that laid the foundations though a little bit for this season, in the sense of that gave you know a bit of a blueprint in how Everton can play away from home, because that's one of the big things of of this season. I'm sure we're going to come into it a little bit more, but Everton have been better away from home this season than they have at Goodison. A lot of their better performances have come on the road. You, know, you think of Brentford, Aston Villa, and the Carabao Cup, West Ham last weekend. You know they 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 they're, they're better on they've been better on the road than they have at home. And, it almost felt like Brighton last season was the the blueprint in which Sean I stumbled across perhaps in, in terms of how to set his side up away from home to get the best out of them and um, yeah so no one saw it coming but it was a a much appreciated three points given the position everyone found themselves in at the time when everyone was nervously thinking you know the the, the end is near
0: yeah and well let, let's go ahead and talk about the match um what, what, what's the team news? What's the latest over Everton and uh, who are the players that Brighton really
1: need to keep an eye out for? I think, obviously, in terms of team news, Everton have got no new injury concerns, which I think has been a real boost for Sean Dyche in recent weeks. Only uh, Seamus Coleman, who, who, will play, who will play for the under-21s on Saturday against Manchester United, but, you know, he's nearing a return, but we don't expect to see him probably after the, international, the November international break now. And Deli Ali and Andre Gomez is, is still some some time away in terms of, you know, where where, where their fitness lies. So I think Sean Dyche have a, a full strength to, to choose from. I think the big the big players to look out for are, uh, uh, Jared Crampoy at the back, who's been absolutely superb since coming in against Wolves uh, at the end of August. He, he was a player Everton. he was kind of one of them players where Everton fans wanted to see more of, but Sean Dice didn't perhaps seem willing to put him in at the start of the season. Um, but since he's come in, he's been absolutely superb, he was, his form was rewarded with a, a new contract a few weeks ago. But he's somebody who's really caught the eye. You know, it's almost shades of John Stones when he was ever a couple of years ago. In that like, calm, composed, figure at the back, comfortable on the ball, can use both feet. And you know already, you know, in Everton style, fans are uh, you know talking about how well we won't be seeing him for a long time. Uh, we, won't, we won't be seeing him forever because he'll be off next summer because he, he's that good. Um, and, and you know, people are saying, you know. Clubs like Manchester City should be taking a close look at him. But I'm really intrigued to see how he does tomorrow because if Evan, if Evan Ferguson plays a fun for Brighton, who I think is absolutely superb um, and one of the real stars of the Premier League, I think it'll be a really interesting battle between him and Brown Foyt and Ferguson. I think we'll get a true taste of how good Brown is tomorrow because oh, he's had everything pretty much his own way so far. But I'm looking forward to seeing how he copes against Evan Ferguson because, like I say, I think he's one of the, the Premier League stars here in a full perspective. This season, aren't. and then, of course, obviously, I think the big one for Brent to is Dominic Calvert Lewin. I think he was instrumental in that game on the Bank Holiday Monday back in May. Um, and you know, obviously, set up two goals and you know, he's, he's been instrumental since he returned, since September, this September's national break. And like I said earlier, well, it's no surprise that Everton's upturn in form has coincided with the return of, of Dominic Calvert Lewin. And I think the other one, you know, to look out for is outside the core. He signed a new contract today, and obviously, he got two against the. Brighton at the annex back in back in May, and he's someone who I think perhaps goes under the radar a little bit in the role he plays. He plays you not know, just in front of the the midfield too and behind Dominic Calvert-Lewin, um, but he's someone who puts himself around the pitch, puts a real shift in. And talking to Sean Dyche on Thursday, you know, he revealed that at the London Stadium last weekend against West Ham, to carry around 13.5 kilometres, and he was saying, you no know, that that was just like a, you know, it's an enormous shift effort for a midfielder, you know essentially should be playing off the striker but you know just really put a shift in for the teams so but i think he's someone that they're the three i would look out for but i think that the, the, the real thing i'm looking forward to is the battle between Evan Ferguson and, and jared brown because i think that'd be an interesting one to see uh, who comes out on top
0: it's interesting you say about evan ferguson obviously he's a couple of good memories but good as park himself um I, I i'm interested to see how we line up as well personally i, I i'm not sure what the wheel of rotation does debbie will have Vix just round the mm. corner, but all all indications of that Ferguson starting again, who for me is just been classic to watch. I mean, basically 19 years old and he's breaking records and actually yeah. um matched a similar record to that of Wayne Rooney when he was um at Everton, I believe, when he scored 10 goals in the calendar year, first teenager to do it and then Ferguson repeated that feat it, it's just a, sh- a sign of what, what is to come from this young man and he's a player it was interesting at Fulham last week um, he got the goal but really he didn't offer much but that's that's the kind of player Ferguson can mm. be at times, he can drop back deep and help the wingers out but then if he gets that opportunity, that space and if he gets that right touch and that shot he's, he's dangerous from that he, never, he doesn't really hit the ball hard. doesn't strike it hard, but he can place it so well that it makes it hard for goalkeepers to reach. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how Brethwaite will challenge him on that and uh, whoever his defensive partner is. Who, who, who is it that usually uh, partners up with Brethwaite at the back? Is it Tarkovsky James, still?
1: James Tarkovsky, yeah. He's, he's captain now as well, Tarkovsky, in, in absence of James Coleman, which obviously we, we won't expect to see. But yeah, and to be fair as well, I think that's, again, that's another being a big boost for Sean Dyche is that Last season, there was a lot of chop and change at the back. Obviously, when he came in, it was kind of Cody and James Tarkoski, but a few games in, Cody dropped out. Then Michael Keane come back in. Michael Keane ended up struggling dropping out, and Yeri Mina coming in for the final few weeks of the season. Obviously, he played at the Amex. And then on the final day of the season, due to the two four-backs, both being injured, Everton played three at the back, in which Cody and Mina both played. So that's been a big boost, I think, this season as well, as that. since that Wolves game, Brown, Quayton and Keane, Bram Quayton Tarkoski, sorry, of... Have come in and have formed a partnership now and and I think it was quite telling you this week think, you know well, my, my colleague Chris busy that who spoke to Tarkovsky he said you know one of the big things with Brown Floyd is you not know, just the trust he said you know like against West Ham at the weekend to the ball got knocked down the line he said and you know he, he went chasing after Antonio he said brown was that confident that I knew he was gonna he was gonna come out on top that you know and he was enough to track back up cover because you don't just have that confidence. And I think that's been a big the big part, the big boost for Sean Dyes just that fan. he has been able to to get partnerships across the pitch, like I say, to and to Calvert-Lewin, Bramford and Tarkoski, whereas last season, it was very much just round pegs and square holes and people doing jobs and it was just so disjointed and unbalanced more than anything. Um, and I, I know it looked unbalanced when you'd watch it most weeks, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching Everton, Everton Ferguson again because I must say, when he played at Goodison last season, I thought he was absolutely superb. Uh, imam him Matona, who, who absolutely destroyed Everton down the, down the flank, but yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting battle between Brown Clayton, so I've Ape, Grant, Grant Clayton Evan Favis, and I've Clayton tomorrow
0: afternoon. Yeah, and it'll be an interesting one to see how Dunk compares with uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well. Two brilliant players for England and uh, definitely talisman for each side as well. Um, h- how do you feel knowing that Calvert-Lewin has such a big influence but really is there anything um, in terms of depth in, ter- in case Calvert-Lewin injury woes come back to strike him again
1: yeah I mean that is the other big thing is that you know we were able to bring Brett Beto in this summer from Udenese a six foot three centre forward who you know puts himself about he's just been unfortunate I think that you know he kind of his you know arrival coincided with the return of Calvert-Lewin I think when when, it was quite interesting because when when Calvert-Lewin first got back fit and Beto arrived there was a bit of a debate around you know Cavotton could have a fight on his hands. He had beaten you know, the, the number one centre forward, and number nine. But, you know, there's no debate now because in you know, weeks he's just been so good that, you know, and Beto is, is still very much raw and, you know, a, a bit, there's a few rough edges to him, I think. And, you know, he's still adjusting to Premier League football. But that is the beauty that I haven't have now got because they've got, you know, Beto and, and also Yusuf Shemit, who's joined during the summer as well. He was a, another six foot four, another six foot one. Yeah, centre-four from Sporting Lisbon but he's very much I think as well of, of the, the, the adjusting to life in Premier League he's only young but I think he'll take time and I think it'll be someone you might see in drips and grabs this season not so much all the time but I think you know if Calvert there is to pick up another knock but touch what he doesn't uh, then you know better. is it I think more than people have come in and leave the line forever which is something that they didn't have last season and you know and only a more peg, you know from Brighton but you know, it just didn't work and I think it was wrong for him to be brought in as the replacement for calvert lewin given the two forwards who played totally different different games and obviously, you know, I think Mope just got into that run unfortunately where he, he didn't look like he was ever going to score and I think quite early on into his tenure, Sean Dyche lost faith in Neil Mope in so much like Damari Graves ended up playing up front and starting the season up top and you know, it was no surprise when Neil Mope moved to, to Brentford on transfer that day because I think Sean Dyche Perhaps some didn't see in plans moving forward, but Everton do have the luxury this season of having Bettle to, to call upon if, if Calvert lewin wants to pick up a knock on, he's the rest. So, you know, if they want to go two fold on if they chasing the game, you knowing that's a luxury that you know Sean Dice didn't have last season because, like I say, he just had Neil Mope when Dominic Calvert lewin was injured. And I think Neil Mope was someone who, who very quickly Sean Dice lost faith in and didn't, didn't really fancy if, if we being lost.
0: Yeah, That to be honest with you does sound very much like Neil Mope. He can have his uh shall we say his emotions get the better of him at the set at the best of times. And you know, he's 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 one that loves to do a few antics and shenanigans show as well. And sometimes it just doesn't feel right when he doesn't get, get into form as well. So it's very interesting to sit to hear that from you as well, from your experience of Mope as well. I mean, I've I've always enjoyed watching him play, just very frustrated. He just doesn't have that end products that he can he's clearly capable of but just never happens to that way anyway i think it's Look, quite interesting
1: what you say, what you say about sorry we talk about like his antics and stuff because that was one thing Everton fans were quite looking forward to seeing that you know, that little bit of like nastiness and that little bit of like you know but he didn't show it enough i don't know whether his confidence just went back that early on and it drained out of him that he you know he kind of become a bit of a shell of himself but we just didn't see that kind of, like, you know, that edge where he maybe rattled centre-backs and rattle the opposition. We just didn't see it enough, you know, and I think that was something I've found we're really looking forward to seeing when they brought him in. is that bit of, you know, nastiness, that bit of a, you know, devilmentry. streak, but we just didn't see it enough, and like I can say I don't know if that was because his confidence was so drained, and, you know, I think it was tough for him as well, because obviously, if you're a forward who can't score, that's tough, but if you're forward who you can't score, in a really struggling team that's getting beat on a weekly basis... And everyone's looking at you saying, when are you going to put the ball on the back of the net? And you're all trying your best, but it doesn't quite come off. I, you know, I, I suspect it is tough. But, yeah, we just didn't see that kind of, that edge to Neil Mopad, I think, that most supporters thought they were going to see. I think it was quite disappointing that he didn't quite have that, that little bit of an edge to him that I think some were hoping that he'd either have on made his side with.
0: Yeah, uh, that's actually really interesting to hear. I was hoping to hear more about his antics. yeah very surprising it may have been just the fact that his confidence just was shot to pieces which is mm. quite a shame really But uh, Connor I'm going to thank you for joining us on the Teams Like Brighton podcast um, but before I go ahead and uh, let you go off uh, the weekend my question to you is what, what do you reckon the scores is going to be uh, just for, six, Mark, for, Mark, gone for a Brighton win typical I've gone for 2-1 but Mark's gone a bit adventurous and staying 3-1 what do you reckon the score is going to be at Goodison Park at the weekend
1: I think it'll be one I think it'll be quite tight, cagey. And I think Everton will just Nick it with, with the home foot with the with the crowd of the way they have been and the momentum that they've built. I think they'll just they'll just dead it But just before we finish, you a bit nervous of Brighton fan with Everton hard struggling at the minute and does Every possibly go into Old Trafford?
0: Um I don't I can't happen personally. I think yeah. Deserbi is someone who needs to be in a project, and he's done that at Sassuolo. He's done it at Shakhtar, um, and that ended prematurely for for the obvious reasons. And weirdly, that's benefited us because when Possa went, Deserbi was our number one choice, and he was really, really invested in it. And he's someone that can see the potential in the club. He sees more than just what the what the players he has in front of him. He sees what's going on behind the scenes as well. And he really enjoys that as well. And the confidence Mm. he has in the youngsters as well is just, it's second to none. I mean, there there are players like Guernanotti who clearly just aren't just there yet. They're not ready, but he's got important confidence in them. And the man management is just second to none. That the belief in not just the fan base but the players as well has just—it's just astronomical. It's—it's it's, it's levels that I would never have experienced. Considering mm-hmm. I still reminisce about losing to nine-man wolves with team. So it's—it's um, it, it, it's a really—I um, uh, I don't know whether it's just me just being sheerly cocky or me being so confident in the club, but I'm not—I'm not worried about Deserby going to Manchester United because I just feel he's just not interested in that kind of projects. It's so toxic. United at the moment. Like, you know, Gary Neville talks about the roof leaking. Their training facilities are dated. Their strategies all over the place. Their recruitment ideas are non-existent at the moment. I mean their transfers in the summer were shocking in comparison to the confidence that they had in Hart from May onwards. You would expect them to get the players that he, he really uh, meant to be um so i can't i can't as you see uh getting getting the chat will brighton give him the nods yeah of course i think we've got a strategy in a place where we're happy for people to go off if they want to and speak to people Um, that was the case with potter i can't i'm not see deserve going to manchester united i just i just think it's not it's not his kind of vibe at all
1: so, yeah, uh, I, I only asked I was at the Everton press conference yesterday, you know, I was talking to a few of the national newspaper journalists, and we was obviously talking about Man United and Deserve was the one name who kept popping up as a as a possible you know solution to to the, to the problems of Old Trafford. But yeah, I, I said I I think he'd be mad to go there. I think for what he's done and the credit he's built up to go there. I think he's just a club that each up and spits it out. And very similar to what happened to Potter at Chelsea, wasn't it? You know, I, I just think it, it's that type of machine where. It's just you know toxic, and you'd be you'd better stay away from the place. But I do think if Manchester City come call and Pep decides to depart, that he could be he could be the one who they go for.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because I think Guardiola said to a few players before that you know Deserbi is going to be a Man City manager in the future. Whether that's going to be his successor mm-hmm. is a thing coming, but I do I can see it happening. I can see him going to City more than United. And to be honest with you, if Deserbi ball goes into that City squad, that's frightening to think about. And I know we talk about Guardiola being so instrumental in, in the we now play the football now and the way we see and appreciate it now. But I think Deserbi's cooking something that is going to frighten a lot of other managers. And as well as that, I was going to say, in the summer, he was linked to the AC Milan job. And that's that's his club. That That is the team that he grew up loving and supporting. Yeah. But he wasn't interested in that, so he's quite clear. His head's screwed on. Lately, he he knows that it's not just the name. He's thinking about it. it's what what's going on there. He sees the bigger picture. And like you say, with, with United, I think he would be absolutely bonkers going there. He really would.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think it'd be totally the wrong move for him. And I think you look like at Graham Potter. I think he's someone who built probably not as much credit as deservedly, but. You know, got a lot of credit in the bank, and yet, you know that one bad move to Chelsea's just you know it feels like it's derailed him a little bit. now doesn't it? And you kind of left in the wilderness of where where he might go next. But yeah, I, I just thought it was quite interesting because obviously I think Ten Hag's not too far from the choppers Is he? Did be continue? And I'm sure to no, say he's not. The name, the name on all oh, United fans' lips, but it, 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 he should be given what he's done, bright and what he what he looks like he could achieve in football.
0: And it'll be interesting to see how Manchester United keep on going. If uh, if not, Old Trafford keeps falling down, or if uh, they actually get something going for them, uh, that remains to be seen. But Connor, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it, mate. Um, enjoy the weekend. Uh, are you going to the match?
1: I am indeed. Jay. I'll, I'll be there to pull i on.
0: Happy days. And as always, guys, if you if you fancy reading up on more things about the Everton. Um, be sure to look it up over at the Liverpool Echo, the world famous Liverpool Echo. Um, all the details for on Everton, the football club, and what's going on there as well. Um, until then, guys, uh, Connor, once again, thank you so much uh, for your time. Really appreciate it, and no, uh, for, for the listeners, to- <laughs> great stuff. And everyone listening, thank you so much. Continue to like, subscribe, and listen to all the pl- platforms wherever you listen to it. And as always, guys, up the Albion.